Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, it's Kayla. I'm so happy you're able to join us today because we are all still so directionally challenged. We thought we'd have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s, but surprise, we don't. And that is okay. Today, I am talking with Deborah Kalmeyer. She is a Zimbabwe-born safari industry thought leader. And we're going to talk about why time in the wild may just be the best prescription for the epidemic of modern burnout. While Deborah changes lives through leading highly specialized safaris and leading journeys in the African wilderness, she can reveal ways that anyone can tap into this experience of what she calls rewilding their soul. She is fascinating. She has so much to share. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Deborah Kalmeyer. 
And I am here with Deborah Calmeyer. I think you are just a fascinating woman, a, such a lovely guest. I've been so excited to have this conversation with you. There's so much to talk about. I think maybe we start with your childhood because it is so endearing and so lovely. You were brought up on a farm in Zimbabwe. You spent your childhood riding horses, swimming with hyenas, water skiing on crocodile infested lakes and playing with Carmel, a lioness your father adopted. I mean, this is your real childhood. This is not a storybook we're talking about, which as I'm reading and researching you, it feels like it would be a dream. So talk to us about what that was like. <laughs> it's so funny that you think it would be a dream. It was a nightmare. <laughs> it really was. I mean, you. it, it was, uh, it, it, it certainly instilled so much of who I am today and my love of being in the wild and, and seeing nature as such a source for our nurture and healing. But to be honest, you know, growing up in a bush war in Zimbabwe and with wildlife all around me as a little girl was pretty traumatizing. And I would say one is certainly living in that flight mode at all times. You know, you're just uh, adrenaline pumping, constantly not knowing what's going to come around the corner. Certainly with the lion in the house that thought it was a Labrador was very much taking us all off guard. We couldn't let our guard down because you never knew when she was going to come pouncing around the corner. But at the same time, it was also where my love for wildlife, I think, was born. Watching her interact with my dad, how affectionate she was. She was always putting her paws up on his chest and sort of loving him. And when she was younger, she wasn't too rough. She was okay for me to play with as well, but she very quickly got very powerful. And, you know, one swat of the, of the paw would send a dog across the room, you know? Um, so it was interesting and exciting and full of trauma, but also a, a very deep instinctual piece of me is greatly connected to it. So she was with your family, not just as a pup, but as a larger. Yeah. Individual yeah, as a full, large, grown lioness. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Got it. I understand. Well, then you later conquered another fear by moving to the concrete jungle, jungle of New York City when you were 24. I cannot imagine right. the uh, culture shock you must have felt doing something of that nature, which was harder. Both were hard, obviously, in different capacities. But talk to us about what that you know, culture shock would be like. Mm. It's interesting because it was always watching episodes of Friends that <laughs> was my draw to New York, right? And you sort of, when you grow up in Africa, you're always looking out and up because you want to be somewhere else because you sort of feel like you're at the bottom of the world and you don't realize and appreciate the beauty and everything that you have around you. You're so busy being influenced by American media and movies and actresses and actors and wanting to be them, right? So that was what pulled me to New York. And only when I got to New York did I feel the deep, deep yearning to be back in the wild and back mm. in the bush and realize what a very privileged and special childhood I'd had spending time in the wild and how different that was and the sort of instinctual things that had become part of me just because of my growing up like anybody's growing up you you're just a child in it right you're just absorbing it you don't know if it's right or wrong you're just kind of in it new york was a huge shock i knew only one person when i moved here I found it pretty tough you know i really did the 
sort of breathless pace of everything, even trying to understand the English language and the different accents Uh and the pressure. But I guess those survival instincts kick in and one finds a way or doesn't Mm. and and leaves. You know, I was so encouraged by so many incredible American women who I had the privilege of working with or being mentored by. Fast learned what was so great about the American culture, the work ethic, the Mm. women's empowerment opportunities and sort of grew up you know, then bringing those into my life and and the direction of my career and and trying to sort of maximize what I was learning in New York. For example, just the power of networking and the way Americans network. It's so extraordinary. It's so much part of the culture. It's not very typical of the British sort of South African, Zimbabwean culture. It's much more reserved. Mm -hmm. And I love how American women connect you and, you know, make friends and and introduce and give you books. And it's like immediately (laughs) like who you know and what you know and where to go. And and that's really, really empowering and and something I embraced and felt really uh, inspired by and led me and has and continues to lead me in, in the work that I do today. Oh, wow. I've never thought of it like that. It really is a full sisterhood of women yeah. who are here to help each other and bring each other up. And this really does come full circle and really is what your work has become about. I know when you moved to New York, you decided to sort of start Roar as I don't I don't know, for lack of a better word, a side hustle. It was not something that you just sort of, you know, started it on a whim so that your father, who was still in Zimbabwe, could have work. And so you sent some of your friends to him. And since then, Roar has become anything but a side hustle. It is a business that empowers African women to step into conservation roles previously reserved for men. And you brought women, specifically indigenous women, to the forefront. And I would love to hear you talk a little bit about this. I'm curious about the indigenous women and what life was is like for them under this landscape. Yeah, with pleasure. And, you know, it is, has been a huge inspiration by American women and the people that have helped me mm-hmm. in my journey at Raw Africa that has really given me the confidence and the voice to do this for African women. And the safari industry has typically been led by pale males and the jobs for women have traditionally been in the kitchen, in housekeeping, and in reservations. And to me, I really needed to use my New York strength, confidence, voice to change that. And when I thought about it, it was always sort of how does one use the power of perception? Because unless you can create these visual demonstrations, nobody's going to understand it, right? Mm. And so we launched a whole sort of movement of women's empowerment by taking philanthropic American women on trips to Africa and on those trips having female pilots, female rangers, female trackers, female sommeliers, GMs, all sorts of women in roles that had not been witnessed before by the traveler or by the staff in the lodge. And so the last one I did this year was in Zimbabwe and it was so cool because I I didn't have any qualified woman guides, the people that take you on the safari. There are none in Zimbabwe. So I brought a woman from South Africa and we still used the men, but this woman guide worked with all the men. You know, it was really interesting seeing them responding to her and then seeing the lodge staff 
say to me, wow, we didn't know women could be guides. And by the end of the trip, you know, two of the wait staff said to me, how do we become guides? Uh, and it was so cool. And I was like, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what this is all about is to show you that there are other career paths for women in this industry where you don't have to leave your family, your home, what is so instinctual to you, maybe tracking wildlife in the bush, all these, all these things that don't require going to a city to become a teacher, a dentist, whatever it might be. And so that's what those trips have been. And they're so incredibly rewarding for the people who come on them with me. And I just, again, that sisterhood of, of, of American businesswomen, philanthropists at heart who, if you show them what is needed, are all too re- only too ready to jump in support get involved whether that's conservation you know sort of just conversations we've had documentary films all sorts of people sponsored um and just yeah this web that then uplifts women and and changes direction for for many women you know how incredible hey guys we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back in just a minute you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And we're back. It's giving me chills just talking about this. This is so fantastic. And just the simple idea that even just someone leading by example, seeing one person from somewhere else being able to inspire so many and hopefully so many more. I have yet to go on safari. And while researching you, there have been there's been so much talk about this feeling of awe and just being on safari and in those spaces with the animals can just enhance one's well-being on such a deeper level. Now, not all of us have the luxury of going on safari, but those listening that want to recreate that or have that in their lives more, how can we recreate that feeling in our own space? I know it's very difficult. And living in New York is certainly very hard with the sirens and the garbage <laughs> trucks and the reversing lights. And I mean, it's just so difficult. <laughs> Noise is the biggest sort of pollution on the planet to me in many ways. Mm. I think, you know, understanding that it is in nature that we have our immune system sort of come into a neutral position, our shoulders drop, our gaze go from screen to sky, savannah, whatever it might be. I don't think there's enough emphasis on the importance of that and finding mm. that little bit of time to watch a sunrise or watch a sunset or maybe even feel the rain on our skin. Mm -hmm. You know, those are all things that were very much part of our evolution. And while technology has made our lives a lot more simple and comfortable today, it's quite sad that we, you know, don't see stars in the skies because there's too much light, that we run from rain, that we seldom stop and smell a flower or the grass being cut. And then suddenly when you do, you're like, mm, I love that. Mm -hmm. I smell of fresh grass. And it's because it's been, we deprived. It's this nature deficit disorder that we all live with because we've congregated to city life. And I think finding ways to be in a park or be on a beach or, you know, as I say, just watch this morning, even I saw the sunrise across Manhattan, just pink clouds across the sky. And I said to my husband, look, look out the window, look at the sunrise. It's beautiful. And, you know, there are ways to incorporate that into our life. And I think we're just better human beings when we focus on doing that. Of course, being on a safari, I think, is probably the ultimate medicine for the soul and the nervous system. And there are many ways to do it. Yes, at Raw Africa, I do it at the very, very highest level. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean only a luxury level. What we try to do is create stillness in the design so that the American traveler can relax and they're not fighting and they're not worrying and they're not anxious and, and just trying to drop them into their bodies so that they can know we will take care of everything. They will be wrapped in love. They can just be. 
and be in the business of just being with each other, with their husbands, reconnecting as a family. And and that's a priceless experience. But I think we're so used to fighting so hard in this country, trying to get through these hideous airports or on trains or in traffic that it's quite foreign. Like we, we're sort of addicted to these patterns of fighting. And my job is to make sure the grind is taken away so that the human can return perhaps a touch gentler, a touch kinder, a touch more aware of environment and how critically important it is that we save these last wild spaces for all of our humanity, whether you're managing to reach it or not. We, you know, we just have to because it's our source of greatest joy and peace and we're losing it. You know, it's very scary. It's interesting. Even if you just said the word stillness, I felt my body relax and I felt my shoulders (laughs) drop and I felt, you know, it's so often you are right. We are so addicted to the adrenaline of life and the, the routine and all of that, that it is so nice. And so many people traveling just say, I just want to get there. We just need to get there because you're right. It's, Mm -hmm. it is, there are so many unpredictable factors. And so the fact that you at Roar take all that away and enjoy and really put emphasis on the stillness is huge. And I know that your passion for conservation and sustainability runs deep. It is, you know, a life calling, as you say and write about. Can you talk to us about, you know, observing just the rapid decline of wildlife populations and what it takes to even save a species? What even goes into that? Because these are not conversations we have on a day-to-day basis. I'm sure it's something you talk about so much more. So I just think the... Wildlife conservation is rarely understood and it's hard to grasp when you are in a city like New York, Los Angeles, you know, or really anywhere that doesn't have wildlife around all the time. So talk to us yeah, a little bit about that. It's kind of invisible, right? And it's over there. It's like right. we, we can't see it. But the truth is, you know, I think the more we focus and understand and appreciate what wild spaces mean to humanity. And that we are all on a ball, a blue dot, whatever you want to call it. That's our space. And that's it. And it's not fine. You know, it doesn't just get bigger. I think, you know, the the, the, the human population crisis, it, it, kill, it worries me the most, right? Because we're going to run out of space. And it, it really concerns me that there's not enough awareness, even in the school systems. Why don't doesn't every school have a globe when you walk in? And that's like, let's have the population of every country drawn onto this globe and let's change it every month as we add 10 million people a month to the planet. That's what we're doing. And so, you know, when you talk about wildlife, Africa, if you just, just, just take the lion population, our, our trophy species, if, our, if you will, our show on Broadway that we take our kids to, you know, if I had to ask you how many wild, how many lions are left in the wild today, you'd be shocked to know that there are only 20,000 in oh. the wild Wow! in Africa. There are more lions in captivity in South Africa for Americans to go and hunt as a sport than they are in the wild. Yeah. And you can look at that in all the species. I think there's about 7,000 cheetah, 8,000 leopard. I mean, these numbers are little 
little, little from, from, you know, 50 years ago when, you know, there were hundreds of thousands of, of lions, but they've been, so your challenge, challenges are human wildlife conflict for space. As the population grows, the space for the wildlife shrinks. Humans killing wildlife because they're crop raiding or, you know, again, it's the conflict of space, right? So elephants going in and taking out crops and for the poor local South African farmer or African farmer, that's their livelihood. So they'll kill the animal, right? Then you've got the hunters playing around for sport, saying that it's all for conservation and the money goes back into the community and they only kill old animals. Well, it's a lot of rubbish. I don't believe in any of it. Well, who, who are we to kill species? You know, do we hunt humans? So why are we hunting other things that share our DNA to such vast quantities? Um, you know, a gorilla is 97% match on our DNA. Not that they hunt gorillas, but, you know, they are still trafficked highly in some countries where there isn't control. So, you know, you've got all these things that sort of mount up against the wildlife and the concentration of space, the migration paths have been disrupted by humanity. It all comes back to population. And there are some fantastic organizations trying to create awareness. And there are some incredibly generous philanthropists that are behind, you know, protecting huge tracts of lands. There's an amazing organization called African Parks that goes into different countries, takes over wildlife spaces, funds it, funded by American philanthropy for the most part, and restores these national treasures and helps governments understand how important they are. Because you've also got to realize that for a lot of African governments, Conservation isn't top of their list because there's no housing, there's no water, there's no education, there's no healthcare. So conservation falls right down to number 10 on the list. It's never even going to get to it. So it's all of these, these things. But I think as a, as a planet, as a whole community of humans, if we understand the value to us that this is our greatest source of joy and peace and we really deeply care about it, that's when we'll protect it. So how can we as a listener be a part of helping with that? Because you are right. It, it does feel so far away. And hearing you speak about it, I know is obviously the first step, having the conversation, sharing it globally. But the conversation is just the beginning, right? That I mean, yes, awareness is, is a big deal. But how can we be a part of the actual change? I mean, obviously donating to these organizations. And when we travel, how can we make sure that it is we are supporting and contributing responsible tourism? What are some of the red flags we should look for? What? How do we know that it's a company that is, you know, contributing to... To conservation. Conservation, yeah. yes. And more... Yes, thank you. Yeah. No, no. Absolutely. I mean, you know, as a as a specialist in the industry designing these trips, we can obviously choose to work with a huge host of different people. And a lot of the work that I have to do is vetting who are these properties? What are their conservation practices? You know, is there greenwashing going on? They're saying they're doing something, right. but they're not. You know, how are they looking after their communities? What are they providing? And so I think, you know, Traveling there, number one, absolutely key because that's when the understanding 
kicks in and the care and you you always protect what you care about and love so i think that's definitely one of the first steps and then when one does that trying to make sure you work with an organization that is authentic that you know what programs that they, they support what properties they support who are those people and when you get there be asked to be taken into the communities to go and see the solar power to see the water sanitation to see the education to see where your tourism dollar is going mm-hmm. because you know a lot of these places were denuded spaces i work with a property called Sagera in kenya now 12 years ago that was a complete dust bowl no jobs no wildlife no food nothing today it's this oasis because it's been rest- stored and because the philanthropist who came in Jochen Zeiks to restore it has put in all the right practices and it's such an extraordinary place to have watched evolve over the years because there used to be no wildlife there and now it's teeming with wildlife because the wildlife knows it's a safe space mm-hmm. it's almost like the energy of the people also draws that that wildlife in there are 200 people employed there over 2000 people supported there and it's just an overall example of you know how to protect space encourage wildlife and how tourism has funded that and continues to fund that and then we have guests going in there and supporting all sorts of things from you know menstrual health to solar to beading projects that are run by two different tribes that historically were at war with one another oh, but wow. the women have come together to use their beading and their artisan crafts to fund school and a crèche and so now their children go to school together and it's a whole different world so there's amazing things that come out of travel and tourism and generosity of curious travelers that want to be involved hey guys we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back in just a minute What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at moonpig.com. moonpig.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
and we're back. How do you choose? I know you only have specific amount of families that you work with every year. Is that something that you guys take into consideration as well is, you know, who can come and add to this community? Yeah, I mean, we're very lucky in that we we have a large base of repeat clients that are really addicted and, and very passionate and caring and want to come back and support often. And then we're very careful in who we take on as clients, because I also have a responsibility to the wonderful people in Africa who are part of my team, who are at the lodges, who are the chefs, who are the guides, who are the porters, who are carrying bags in airports. Like those people yeah. all know me, care for me, love me and and we support and I don't want somebody going there and being rude or obnoxious or angry to to those lovely warm people so we try to make sure that we're a good fit a bit like matching a wedding planner with a bride right you want to you want to you want to feel right together you know we don't take too many clients we do about 200 trips a year and and that's really our capacity um, to do it at this kind of level And is it throughout all of Africa and South Africa? I mean, that seems like such a broad, there's so many places to go and explore. Do you choose, how do you choose where to go and what cities to really sort of dedicate your time to? So we really just do 12 countries that are south of the equator. The majority of my team are based on the ground in South Africa. So that's where most of our employees live and work and grew up. And then in each of the countries we cover, there's a small team, like in Kenya, there's three people in Zimbabwe, there's three people. So we try to make sure that our clients stay only in the hands of raw Africa. They're not outsourced to another company on the ground. Because I live in both continents, Mm -hmm. I'm able to have a workforce on the ground so that the client doesn't suffer from like a broken telephone. He said, she said, oh, they forgot, da, da, da. It's hard enough delivering in Africa. (laughs) So one wants to consistency all the way through. Now, having you on before I let you go, I just I want to touch on the exploitation of wild animals and the illegal trade of wildlife, because I know that's something you're really passionate about. It is not something I know much about. And I would love to have a you know, it's obviously such a huge topic. If we can scratch the surface, even that's getting somewhere. Can you talk to us about any? It's hard to even have this conversation for me, honestly, because how did this even become something that we have to fight against? Yeah, it's a great question. Unfortunately, consumption by humans, particularly in Asia, is glossed over with all sorts of nonsense of rhino horn, you know, being good for libido or cancer, lion bones being for some other medicinal purposes, whatever the folk story is around the animal body part, pangolins, another one. You know, I spoke at a conference in China in 2015 to about a thousand business, top, top business elite people on the illegal trade of wildlife. Very few of them understood that ivory was the elephant's tusks. A lot of them thought it was the tooth that fell out. And so it's this misinformation laced with then, you know, some kind of folklore Mm -hmm. that then generates an entire trade. And so, for example, what happens with the rhino horn is they crush it into a powder, they mix it with Viagra, and yes, of course it works for your libido. you know? And so then you get this whole market and this trade and this prestige around buying these animal products. 
at the end of the day, the rhino horn wow. is just keratin. It's just like our fingernail. It's the same stuff. And yet these animals are being butchered, you know, facing extinction uh, because of some made-up nonsense that's got no science behind it. And so, you know, the people who do, do the poaching and the killing on in the ground in Africa, I mean, those people are just eking out a living and being probably paid $500 to go kill a rhino. It's, it's a whole mafia of vets and governments and helicopters and AK-47s and transferring animal parts all over the place and not enough police and not enough government. I mean, I think if you get caught trafficking a pangolin, which is the most trafficked What is a pangolin? So it's like a, a very scaled animal. It's got a long tail and a little body, like sort of round and a pointy nose okay. and they live underground and they're the sweetest sweetest things and they're used for for bush meat so they're eaten their scales again are used for all sorts of different potions and they're highly trafficked and if one is caught in nigeria just as an example with a pangolin you're charged two dollars seventy that's the, that's the fee. That's the charge for trafficking a pangolin. So you can imagine there's just not enough policing. There's not enough government focus on this government looking out of the way or part of it, you know. Right. And, you know, there's an incredible organization called Wild Age based out of San Francisco that says, you know, basically when the killing stops, when the, when the demand stops, the killing will stop as well, right? And that's the, they used incredible broadcasting celebrities media to educate people in China on what this is all about. And they used, I think, Prince William's been involved, Yao Ming, like really big celebrities to try and get the message across. Because it's people, people just don't understand. It's a lack of education. Mm-hmm. You know, if you went in and spoke to every university in China and explained what wildlife trafficking was and why you don't need to eat these things or kill these rhinos and what What's actually happening? I'm sure you'd see, you know, a bit of a drop off, but it's pretty, it's pretty sad, you know. So that that feeds into your earlier question in terms of, you know, all these things that are converging to wipe out our wildlife. Yeah, I I did read that, and I don't know how much. I guess my question is, how much does this even make a difference? That one positive that did come out of the global pandemic was that China and Vietnam finally did ban the sale of wildlife for public consumption. Is that does that even would that even make a difference at all, or is it a step in the right direction? So. I mean, even if they just, I, I would hope so. But remember, their markets are full of animals living in atrocious situations in cages, and you know, polluting each other. And it just who knows what they actually do? We we don't know what's going on in China. Uh, your passion for this is just I mean I feel it coming through the video I almost wish people could see the video of this I know we only do audio (laughs) but it is just so obvious and so uh, amazing I think you're incredible and such a uh, an example of what one person can do and uh, all the people you have around you it it clearly you create such a lovely uh, you know experience for everyone that works with you you know we have a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are in a a time of their life where they're trying to figure out what it is that they want to do and what yeah. it is they they can, they can do for for their future, which is a huge decision to make. And obviously, you know, you can always pivot to something new and someone who's listening who is in a job and maybe not very happy doing that and is looking for something to change to. How is it that you have 
been able to find your calling and have it also be able to help and inspire others to find theirs? Yeah, I think it's an amazing question. And I, I, I think one is constantly evolving in, in that evolution, right, of self, right? And I think living in two different countries sort of at the same time between South Africa and New York and, and the yearning for the wild and try, and eventually understanding the impact of the wild on my own nervous system, on my own state of mind of, of that, you know, I can last in Manhattan about eight weeks and then the yearning is so huge. I've got to go. And, and I think identifying, you know, what makes you happy? What makes you feel like you're in a warm bubble bath? Like, where's that feeling coming from, right? And I feel that in the wild. And knowing that that feeling fed my soul has what's led me deeper and deeper into trying to understand the science behind the experience and then ensure that I provide the experience in the most meticulous way possible to help people get into their bodies, to leave their minds, get into their hearts and know who they really are. And mm -hmm. I see the power of, of being in the wild because people say to me, Deborah, you changed my life. I see the world differently now. And that's, you know, not the response when one comes from London or Paris or Italy. Okay. That's not what you're going to hear. And so I think we, we travel to be put into this awe state. We travel, we're looking for that in museums, in clothing, in food, in wine. What are we doing? We, we're in search of awe. Nowhere delivers a bigger bang for your buck than nature. Nowhere. There's no price to put on an elephant walking towards you with his ears flapping and suddenly you can see his eyelashes and teeth and hear the crunching of the acacia in his mouth or whatever it is. There's no greater sense of awe, you know, and that's why I engaged people like the poet David White, another psychiatrist, um, Dr. Ian McCullum, to help me work with what is happening to us mentally, spiritually, emotionally in the wild? Why are people finding themselves there? And it was explained to me, and, and I've used David on retreats to help me put words to the experience so that people who are very definitely in this transition that you are talking about or trying to find themselves coming on that kind of an experience, dropping in and just being still. And it's amazing what intuition is actually feeding us all the time, but we don't listen to because we're so busy distracting ourselves with life and, and children and this is and that, that we can't even hear our own voice. And we're going to yoga and we're doing this and we're going on this course and we're listening to that podcast and we're trying to reach the state all the time. But I think going into the wild and turning it all down and getting off the screen and, and, and maybe that's the place to find what your heart is really telling you. And it was certainly lucky for me that that was where my heart led me back to, even though I was living 10 million miles away in Manhattan, you know. Oh, no one could have said it better. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all that you have with us today. I truly think you are a phenomenal person. I'm so grateful we had this conversation. Oh, I love meeting you, Kayla. Thank you very much. You know, it's interesting hearing her talk about stillness. And that is something that I 
I'm well aware now after having this conversation that I do not do in my life. I don't know about you listening, but I am a multitasker. Even while driving, I'm listening to a podcast or while doing laundry, I'm watching TV. There's just, I'm always doing multiple things and I rarely sit still. And so this is something that I'm going to really try and incorporate into my life because maybe we don't have to travel all the way to Africa to fill our hearts with stillness and finding awe, just looking up at the night sky or looking at a tree in your backyard or something just as simple as taking time to let our shoulders drop and to just be wherever we are and letting our intuition take over. I'm so grateful for Deborah for this enlightening, incredible conversation. I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did. We've got another great one coming for you next week. Until then, take care. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions, hosted by me, Kayla Yule, produced by Melissa DeMonts and Diamond Imprint Productions, editing by Diane Kang, post-production sound by Coco Lawrence, and production assistance by Melanie D. Watson.